And so this morning I want to talk about life in the grown zone. And that's not grown like y'all grown folks, G-R-O-W-N, but G-R-O-A-N, life in the grown zone. And our text this morning is from Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 18 through 27. Let me read that text to you, and then we'll go back and, 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 and refer to it again. But I just want, I want you to listen, and I didn't want to put it up before it's long. It's better that you hear it. Um, and so this is the Apostle Paul, and he's, right, he's getting toward the, the latter part of the middle of Romans, and he's, he's bringing some practical application to all that he's written before in the book of Romans with regard to justification by, 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 by faith, the fact that we are saved by our trust in the finished work of Christ and not by the, the keeping of the law. And he gets through all of that discussion and all of that doctrinal set up to, to get to this point where he breaks out what all of that means for you and I as children of God. And so this is what he writes, beginning at verse 18 in Romans 8. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of there's a lot there, isn't it? And I, I'm not going. I can't. I can't expound every word of that passage. It's a long passage, and there's a lot in there. But Paul begins by talking about this contrast between sufferings and glory. He says, "I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us." And so, if we suffer, he's saying, and we will, and we do suffer, and we do groan, and we do moan. But he's saying. You know, it's all right because there's something that, 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 that comes along on the, on, on the back end of this whole process of this life that is so awesome and so beautiful that it's not even worth comparing. When, when we see Jesus, when we get to that ultimate, that ultimate place, you will look back and we'll say, oh, that was nothing compared to all that we've received. And, and, and he embraces this idea of, of what we call the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God and pe- 
Christians and, and, and Bible readers struggle with Scripture sometimes because they see promises of God and they wonder which of those promises are now, which of those promises are for the future, and, and sometimes people get confused. And there's some things that, that are not yet that people think are now, and there's some things that, that are now that people think are not yet. In other words, uh, should you have peace now? Yes, that's, that's, that's one of the present blessings of the kingdom. The righteousness is peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, is, as the Scripture says. And then some people think, you know, that's somewhere in the future. No, we, you, we can walk in that now. But there are other things that, 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 that await us. There are other things that remain to be realized and experienced. And so Paul is kind of dealing with that juxtaposition of those two values. So those things that are now, and right now he's talking about the Holy Spirit's role in interceding for us and taking our struggles and our pain and our groans, okay, as we live in the groan zone, and taking those things and, 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 and turning those into to, to prayerful intercession on our behalf while we await that which is not yet, which is our full glorification and our realization and re- receipt of everything that ultimately God has for us and our becoming completely molded and, and conformed to the image of Jesus. And so there's this tension between present reality and future promises, right? And we, we don't have everything that is promised now, although we have a deposit or a down payment of those things. And what's, what's happening here is that we are becoming what we were created to be. But, uh, but uh, although we, you know, uh, but, but along with all of creation, although we are in that process of being transformed and created, there's this struggle in all of creation that he points to. You said those, those words we, we read. And I can tell you, as you look to the natural order, you look to the environment, you look to the planet, and you see the tension that goes on even with, with the creation, with the planet, with the universe, there's, there's tension because it's, Paul is, is suggesting that all of God's creation is, is groaning under the weight of sin, awaiting the final redemption of the children of God and the total restoration of everything that is. And so the idea that we get from this passage is... The, is the biblical concept that you and I as children of God were created for glory. We weren't created for shame. We weren't created for, 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 for death and destruction. We were created for glory. And as you look at creation, Cherie talked about this week, and I remember like Thursday was a, one of those days I just, you, I walked outside. It was just like one of those perfect, pristine, beautiful days. And, and, and yet in creation, there are a lot of issues and a lot of a lot of unresolved things. There are a lot of there, 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 there is climate change that is happening, and there, there we so we have hurricanes, and there are nor'easters on the east coast, and you know there's all this. Yet in the midst of all of the the groaning and the struggle and the 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 the, the challenges, even amidst the created order, we still see these glimpses of glory. And so it is with you and I. The fact that. We, we, it does not yet appear what we, we shall be, Paul says, but we know that when we appear, we will be like him, and we will see him as he is. But even with all of our struggles and our groanings and our, and our, and, and our strivings and our, and our deficits and our, and, and our questions, even now, in this moment, we can see glimpses of glory in us and in our life and in our circumstances. And so look at that glory that's evident in us, despite our our sinful proclivities, our sinful condition, even amidst our brokenness, our pain, and as we tell our stories, it's all right to tell the whole story. Sometimes the story isn't pretty. Sometimes the story is that I'm hurting. Sometimes the story is that I'm going through something. 
Sometimes the story is that there seems to be this intractable challenge in my life that I can't seem to get over. Sometimes my story consists of my groans. In other words, sometimes as we tell our story, we're telling a story of living life in the groan zone. And in this text, there are three groanings, if you will. Number one, Paul says creation groans. The planet, literally, and this is a, a theological way of looking at, at some of the disorder in the, in the natural order. He says, for the creation waits, verse uh, 19, the creation, that's everything that God made, it, it waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. Somebody said, uh, we're awaiting the, the creation of a new heaven and a new earth, right? And, uh, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And so the whole creation, he says, has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So creation groans. The, the, the planet groans. The universe, there's a kind of a collective uh, primordial uh, metaphysical side that all of creation, that's why there's, there, there's tension even, I mean, again, for every beautiful chirping bird that you see and every beautiful clear day, we're here, but in, in, in New England, they're awaiting another nor'easter, right? The cre- creation is groaning. But then he says, not only does the creation groan, but we groan. That's you and me. As we wonder existential, existentially, we say, we look around and sometimes, you know this, you know this groan, we look around and say, is this all there is? We're living in the groan zone. We look at life and say, is this, is this it? Is this the best we can do? Is this the best I can have? Is this, is this, you know, he says in verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. As we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all, right? You don't hope for what you already have, right? I, I hope I'll be on Zoom today. Well, guess what? I'm on here, so I know there's no hope to it. Uh, it. It's happening, right? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So we groan. Creation groans, you and I groan, right? And if you, if, if you think, if, if you say you, you, you don't have any groans, I don't believe you. I think you fit because I think all of us, I think all of us have our groans, our sighs. You know what I'm talking about. But then there's the, the most important one in the text here. This is where the transition comes. Because not only does creation groan and not only do we groan, we live in the groan zone, okay? But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit groans. So in other words, catch this, we don't groan alone. And God's will is that we come into the full realization of what we were created to be and that we, and, and the full realization of what we were redeemed to be. And, and so God, the Holy Spirit, joins us in our groaning, but as we'll see here, with a distinct difference and a distinct advantage. Look at verse 20, 28, he says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through what? Wordless groans. Creation groans. You groan. The Spirit groans. 
And he goes on to say in verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now listen to this, listen to this. God the Holy Spirit is with us in this never-ending struggle for glory. God is concerned about his creation and has a plan for its redemption. God is intent upon redeeming our humanity in its entirety. By the way, not just relegating us to some disembodied experience. I talked jokingly before we came on today about a misguided pastor that I heard preaching a eulogy and basically with doing the ringing the bell thing and said, you know, when the bell rings and it is somebody, an angel gets their wings and we don't become angels. We remain, we will forever be human beings. We do not become angels. We will be glorified. We will be human beings in a glorified state, in a glorified body. We will, we were created to be human. Angels are another category of being, but, but, but you see, uh, so our, 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 our fate and our future is not to be relegated to, you know, to being like Casper, the friendly ghost with a harp dancing among the clouds, but, a, a concrete and glorified and incredible human eternal existence that's beyond anything that we can imagine. Uh, and, the, and, and he talks about the realization of our adoption to sonship, uh, sonship in the context of the redemption of our bodies. Now, creation's groaning is inevitable. The, the angst and, and the tension of the created order that's that which is staggering according to scripture under the weight of of sin and you know jesus pointed it out to to the folks standing around him on palm sunday because you know the 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 people they kind of for that moment they got a glimpse of who he was and they said they said praise the lord pray you know blessed is he who comes in the name of the the lord and the jesus disciples disciples are saying hey they make too much noise tell them to be quiet and jesus understood something he says listen he says if these don't praise me the, the rocks will will cry out. Um, you see, it, it, it's encoded into the creation, uh, the praise of God. Every atom uh, is, is encoded with the reality of its creator. Uh, so, so creation's groaning is inevitable because creation is, is, is anticipating, if you will, the perfect will and, 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 and purpose of God. Uh, so it, that, that groaning is inevitable. But our groaning the thing about our groaning, here's the thing about it. On one level, it can prove to be futile, okay? Uh, in this sense, our groaning in and of itself, while inevitable and absolutely, totally and thoroughly human and, 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 and germane to human existence in this world, in this fallen world, our groaning is inevitable, but apart from God, it just becomes this. It's just angst. Anxiety, despair, uh, you know. It, it, yes, it's inevitable. It's the reality of our, our humanity and life in the grown zone, life in this fallen world. And in the interim, as we await the fullness of all that we will become and all that we'll receive, we live in the grown zone. But without, without God in that mix, without God in that conversation, it's just, it's just, what, what, it's just the way of the world. All of humanity, all people, 
Everybody's got to groan. Everybody's got to complain. Everybody's got pain. Everybody's got hurt. But here's the thing. The, the Spirit comes alongside us and enters into that process, and something marvelous and miraculous happens because the Spirit's groaning is, and, and follow me, and I'll explain this language, is incarnational. When we talk about that which is incarnational, we talk about that which is spirit that becomes flesh, that comes and takes upon itself our humanity. And so God has entered into, through the Holy Spirit, God himself has entered into every uh, groan. He's entered into our groaning in the person of Jesus Christ because Jesus, the Bible says, is the one who knew no sin, uh, but he came into this physical and actual realm of sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the spirit groans because Jesus has entered into our groaning. He comes into the dysfunction and the brokenness of a sin-cursed creation. He takes upon himself the limitations imposed by a fallen humanity. He's tempted in every way like we were, but he was without sin. He faced the effects of the fall on, 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 on the effects of the fall on this planet and, and on himself. He, he faced the limitations and frustration of inhabiting a human frame and living in a fallen world. He, Jesus Christ willingly entered the grown zone. He who was at the right hand of the Father, he comes and takes on himself our groans. And so the entire weight of the fallenness, the brokenness, the dysfunction of that broken environment results in him coming all the way down to this earth and then going all the way to the cross to, to liberate his creation from the curse of sin. He becomes, in the words of Scripture, the second Adam, you know, because the first, the disobedience of the first Adam that brought uh, on this planet the cataclysm of sin and death and destruction the obedience of the second Adam, the second man, Jesus Christ, brings about life and, 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 and redemption and the inauguration of the kingdom of God and, and, and uh, God's rule through Christ that will ultimately lead to the reverse of this whole curse. All right. You say, all right, Charles, I hear you, but what, what, about, what about us today here, right here, right now? Look at verse 26. In the same way, The Spirit helps us. That's you and me right now in our what? Weaknesses. In our weakness. Why? Because we do not know what we ought to pray for. We make a good, we take a good stab at it, but we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself, he says, intercedes for us. Here it is again, the groan zone. The Spirit joins us in this zone through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart, who searches our heart, knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, intercedes and prays for God's people, not in accordance with our will or some pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by fantasy, but in accordance with the will of God. And so what is this text saying to us this morning? Well, you see, it's right there. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He is our comforter. He is our counselor. He is our teacher. He is our guide. He says, we don't know how to pray. The Spirit himself intercedes for us in wordless groans. He owns our groans, if you will, so that we don't groan alone. So when you don't know what to pray, and that's probably more times than you're willing to admit, when you don't know what to say, sometimes, you know what, and I think the old folks got it right, Rowena. Sometimes we just go, "Mm, mm, mm, mm." 
we just grow. You know what I'm saying? And the spirit will always get it right. The spirit hears that and says, okay, I know what's going on there. I, I, you don't know what you mean, but I know what you mean. And I'm going to, I'm going to get, and the Holy Spirit says, I got my own groan. And he says, mm-hmm. and, and the father says, I, I, I get it because you pray. The Holy Spirit is praying according to the, the will of God. The spirit always gets it right. So he prays in, we pray in accordance with our will. Lord, I'd like this. This is what I want. This is what I think needs to happen. This is what I think the answer is. The Holy Spirit will always pray in accordance with the will of God. And you know what the best thing in all of creation is always going to be the will of God. It's always going to be better than your will. The safest place to ever be in, in creation is to be in the will and the purpose of Almighty God. And the Holy Spirit, his job is to intercede and to pray you into that space. And it's a Trinitarian reality. You, you, if people have trouble with the, with, with the biblical concept of a triune God. You see, the, the, we see a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit involved in this process. But how does the, the Holy Spirit, he prays relationally. And so triune God, there's a, the concept when you study the, the Trinity, you realize that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they form for us a beautiful uh, analogy of what we should be in the church because they are in relationship. The father, the father loves the son, and out of that, and out of that love, and out of that union, proceeds the spirit, and they all work together in loving and harmonious relationship. And so here it is: the father loving us, and Jesus, um, uh, Jesus is, is sitting at the right hand of the father, making intercession for you and advocating. You know, no, no, Orion, Bob is not mad today, and, and and the spirit is 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 interceding for us, and, and you know, and so the whole. I, I hope you get this. No matter what you're groaning about in this moment, and I know, you, I know that more of us are in the groan zone than want to admit it, take heart and take comfort in the fact that God has a purpose for your life. Jesus is your great high priest, and the Holy Spirit is interceding for you right now in every moment of your life. The love of the Father, the intercession and the advocacy of, of the Son, and the interpretation and the assistance and the comfort of the Spirit, the whole of the Trinity, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, uh, you know, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in all of their triune splendor are not only committed ultimately to the glory of God and the honor of God, but they're committed to empowering and assisting the saints. And that's you and me, folks. In making our way through this murky, muddled, earthly existence all the way to the glory for which we are destined. God is more committed to your success, to your blessing, to your perseverance than you are. All of heaven's resources are arrayed in favor of your becoming what you were created to be, and you're getting to, to where you're destined to go. There's like this conference going on in heaven. Listen, you ever feel like you've been set up? You know what I'm talking about, maybe on the job, you know. Well, think about this from a biblical perspective. Yeah, take it from Charles today. You've been set up but not in the sense that some shady, nefarious character has set you up for your demise. Uh, not in the sense of the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, who thinks he set you up. But you've been set up, my friend, in the most amazing and wonderful way. You have been set up for success. You have been set up for glory. You have been set up for victory. 
And I know we've been hearing this term rigged a lot ad nauseum over the last uh, 15, 20, well, probably over the last five years or so. But let me tell you something. Uh, This thing is rigged. This thing is rigged. And I'll tell you why. Because the Father loved you to the extent that he would not allow his plan for your life and your plan, his plan for you ultimately sharing in his glory to be thwarted by sin and failure, even by your laziness or your bad choices. You've been, you know, this thing is rigged because the son loves you so much that he perfectly obeyed the father in coming into this world to atone for your sins. Yes, this thing is rigged, friends, because the spirit serves the father and the son and that he's always interceding. And we could just say this simply. He prays for us all the time and always according to that which is best for us, always in accordance with the will and the purpose of God. That's why Paul says, going back to verse 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So no matter what we go through, no matter what we must endure, no matter what angst, struggle, cognitive dissonance, you know, suffering, hardship, all of these groanings pale in comparison with the glory that will be revealed in us. So listen, dear ones, this is my word. This is God's word for us today as we deal with life in the grown zone. Grown on, man. That's right, grown on. And know that every time you groan, you groan in company with all of creation in response to a created order that is for now being crushed under the weight of sin. Grown on, knowing that you don't groan alone. Every, mm, is met by the spirits. Mm. You see, every you know your groans may be unintelligible, and generally they are. But the spirits, every groan is literally a prayer to the Father and to the Son on your behalf, in in, in preference to the will of God. And you got to realize you don't get to the glory without the groaning. It's part of the process of life. But in the midst of it all. God is working everything out for your ultimate good. Look how he ends the, the thought in verse 28. In this, this verse you all know, he says, and we know. And so, so the and, we often take this out of context, but connect it to everything that we just talked about. So the, the net result of this, this is this. And we know, in response to all that we just talked about, that in all things, God works for the good. You could say all things. How many things? All things. For what? The bad? No, the good. Of who? Those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see, some of y'all, I'll go a little Baptist on y'all. I heard someone say this, I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every what? Every what? Every groan. And they said, long as I live and trouble rise, I'll hasten to his throne. Amen. Jesus hears each groan. Jesus hears every sigh. Every time you just shake your head and say, mm, mm, mm. every time you say, my, my, my. Sometimes you put your hands up and say, why, God? I don't understand it. I don't get it. Jesus is there with you. He hears that the Spirit hears it, and he groans in and with and through us and intercedes for us. And so you are not alone in the groan zone. Again, let me ask you. Let me get rid of me. That makes it more. Uh, have you have you ever been in the groan zone? You know you have. It's when someone said it's when you sigh more than you speak. It's when your your inner agony is so deep that you can't even express it, and, you, and sometimes you just cry out and say, "Why? 
and perhaps you're there right now. And, and so, again, just to review, in, in our passage, we see when the Holy Spirit helps us in this thing. When we're weak and when we're weary, when we're tired. The Spirit who is holy, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This word literally means when we're without strength. It speaks of being incapacitated. And I'm glad to know this, aren't you? Because some of y'all think that you've got to be strong in order for God to use you, in order for God to be at work in your life. Actually, God loves to go to work when we're weak. As 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, Paul said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that the Son sympathizes with us, when, with us when we feel weak and when we feel feeble. And so the Scripture says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So the Holy Spirit helps us when we're weak and weary, but also the Holy Spirit helps us, number two, when we're perplexed about what to pray for, when we don't know what we ought to pray for. Psalm 38, uh, 9 says this. uh, uh, Actually, no. um, The question is, have you ever been in a total loss about what to pray for? Sometimes we can get, all we can do is get out some sighing and some crying. Psalm 5, 1 rather says, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my sighing. And the good thing is that that's good enough for God. Psalm 38, 9, the psalmist says, All of my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. Okay? Now, I'm almost done, but part of our weaknesses are, can you say pitiful prayers? And I'm not trying to put you down, but come on, we know. Most of us struggle with two things, quantity and quality. We we don't pray enough, right? We're just, we're human. And then we, we struggle with quality because we don't know how to pray or what to pray for. And then sometimes we try to do what we try to make our prayers sound perfect. And God is not that impressed with our perfect prayers. He says in Psalm 34, 18, that he's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 10, 17, you hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. All right, let's bring this thing together. Let's, let's wrap this up. Guess what? Prayers that are even that are even excuse me, make an adjustment here. That are even muttered in broken sentences, reflecting a broken heart. Those prayers are very precious to God. Your groanings, your sighs, your longings, uh, all of these are precious to God. And the Spirit joins you in that groaning, in that longing. And life in the groan zone means that. It ain't no harm to moan, right? Groan on, moan on, knowing that the Spirit groans with you. And those groanings go right to the very throne of God. You're not alone in the groan zone. God works in all things for our good. As the Spirit enters into our groaning, reinterprets them and offers them up as prayers for our ultimate good. So family, in these strange, and troubled, and confusing, and perplexing times. Stand on the finished work of the cross. Rest in the love of God, and rely upon the intercession of the Holy Spirit. This morning, in a few moments, we're going to remember Christ's death on the cross. And as we do, let's join together in giving thanks for a love that would not let us go but a love that sent our Savior, Jesus, all the way to the cross and from the cross to the grave and from the grave to the sky. 
And just as Jesus, in the words of Hebrews, endured the cross for the joy set before him. Okay? Let's remember the words of Paul from our text in verse 18. I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. You're not alone in the groan zone. Amen? God bless you.